the Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and friends. For another episode of The Boys of Tech. My name is Edwin Herman. Welcome to the show. I am joined by my co host over Skype, Brett King. Welcome to the show, Brett. Hey, hey. Hey, this is episode 269 for the 7th of April 2014. And, Brett, how was your weekend? Uh, for the most part, not too bad. Not too bad. Did you get up too much? Uh, no, no, just moving some stuff around, had a real estate agent come through. Oh yeah, is that looking positive? Um, yeah, Preparing the apartment for sale? Yeah. Good. Good. You know, I've never, I've I've bought, this is our first home, I've never sold, so I don't know what that process is like, but I certainly know the buying process and it's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> is is selling a lot better than buying so far? Uh, I mean, no, I believe it's about it's about the same except costs you more. Oh no. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I remember the buying process as well. It's like you think <laughs> it's gonna cost me that much, okay. No, it doesn't cost you that much. It costs you way more than that yeah. much. Yeah, and, and for me though. <laughs> and selling it you're going, Okay, so I'm I'm gonna make some money from this, but yeah, no. Not as much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're going to be ending up paying a lot of money as well. <laughs> yeah, you know, for me though, the biggest thing with buying was not so much the financials, but just how much effort was involved and how long things took. And yeah, you know, your weekends are tied up because that's all you're doing. Yep, yep. It's a tiring process. First, you're looking to find a place, one that ticks the boxes that you want, and you know which ones, which of the boxes. Can you live without from your ideal home? Because none of the homes that you actually see meet <laughs> yep. all of the requirements exactly. that you want. They're either really expensive, but where you want them to be, or really cheap, but put you in a location that you just will not accept, or is not what you would want. And is it close to? Transport? Is it close to schools? Are there shops? Locations? They don't tick all the boxes. They never do. Yeah. And it's that realisation, isn't it, after the first few, that you're not going to tick all those boxes. And then you, you're you always wondering, do we do we go for this one or are we doing it? Because also, if you want to make a, a clean offer, there's a lot of work you have to do. You get your limb report, you get your building inspection, you exactly. might want to do a geotechnical, um, get a geotechnical opinion as well, if mm-hmm. you want. There's all that stuff to do if you want a clean offer. It's yep. so tiring. It is an incredibly tiring process. Mm. Well, anyway, thankfully, this is not a show about real estate. It's a show about technology. So let's talk some tech. Excellent. So has some tech things happened in the past week that yes. are actually interesting to talk about? Yes, we have. But it's not oh, a good. quiet, boring week. Like was it, was it last week that was quite boring? Yeah. Yeah. Well, this week we've... Yeah, it was actually, wasn't it? This week there, there's a little bit in there. First of all, I thought we'd talk about the Amazon Fire TV. It's a set-top box... It's a media streamer, if you like. Yeah. Uh, whatever you call these media. What do, what do they call these things? It is a media. Yeah. I, I, 
don't know what you'd call it, internet TV device, yeah, media streamer. Mm. Well, anyway, (laughs) so it's competing with the Roku, Chromecast, and, of course, Apple TV. And Mm -hmm. uh, this one here, interestingly... I'm surprised, but one thing, let's talk about what it doesn't do for a start, because I am surprised. One of the things it doesn't do is it won't let you stream from your home network. Well, unless you buy one of the agnostic systems, you're not going to get that, which is a big letdown because Apple TV doesn't let you do that either, does it? Uh, Kind of. It lets you stream from, from your computer, but not a generic you know, NAS device, but it, it yeah. certainly lets you stream from your computer or well, the cloud. Well, it'll let you stream from your iTunes. Yeah, from your, correct. Yeah. yeah, from your iTunes. Yeah. Yeah. But not everything, not every piece of media you have is in iTunes. No, that's that's probably a fair comment. <laughs> but having said that, I think, uh, you know, obviously if you're purchasing uh, content from the App Store, it, it goes straight into iTunes, and of course, well, I think a lot of not everything that you get will be iTunes compatible. Not every piece of media will be iTunes compatible, and then you have to go through the process of getting something that'll convert well, it, you know, into- getting something that'll convert it from something else into something else, which can then be converted into Apple, so that you can put it into your iTunes, and then it will only connect and stream from one iTunes, the iTunes that it's connected to. And if you've got multiple people in the house with multiple iTunes accounts with multiple things, you're starting to get into into things where it'd be nice if there was a single agnostic system that would just look for anything that was a media source on a network and go, hey, I'll play it. <laughs> well, you know, one That's, of the things I, you know, Brett, I... And, and a couple of the devices, um, I think the, the, the Chromecast will definitely do that. It'll play whatever you've got, wherever it is on your local network. Not sure about the Roku 3, but the Roku 3 is also independent, so you could probably get software for it, which will allow it to do the same thing. It is pretty much the Apple TV and this new Amazon Fire, which won't stream stuff from your home system. eh? They will stream stuff, well, the Amazon Fire will stream stuff from the cloud, from all over the cloud, well, almost all over the cloud. There are some places it won't stream from on the cloud. And the Apple device will stream stuff from your iTunes that's linked to it and from the cloud, some places on the cloud, not all of the places on the cloud. So, yeah. (laughs) Have you seen... All of them have some issues when it comes to what they will or will not stream. Well, one of the things that Apple does well, and the reason I'm mentioning this is because I think... You're an Apple fan, Amazon, No, <laughs> because <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say that Amazon have done just as well, and that is the usability, the interface. Look at the remote, right? Look at the remote for the Apple TV. It is simple. It is easy to use. I use it, you know, every second day. I love mm-hmm. it. It's just simple and easy to use. Looking at this Amazon one, it is just the same. They've done a really good job. Yeah, yeah, and the Have fact the that remote. it connects over, over um, what is it, Bluetooth, RF instead Yeah, see, that's of, the other thing um, I like. Now the, the, line of sight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. See, I'm restricted to line of sight with my, uh, with my Apple TV device. Mm. If it was Bluetooth, it would be a lot better. Indeed it would, and would probably draw a lot more power. Well, see, that's and the probably have to charge it a lot. Well, more that's often. the flip side. Yeah, exactly. So we don't know how long this is going, how long this yeah. lasts, with the, fact, <laughs> with the fact that it's always, you know, pairing and communicating. Yeah, see, I did wonder that actually. Whereas that, that, IR device is like it's only on when you're using when you've pressed a button. Yeah. Otherwise, it's it's off. Yeah, exactly. I've had remotes, uh, you know, last uh, Apple remotes last, you know, a couple of years or more. 
and, and you know, I, my TV remotes. I, I've I've had my, one of my televisions for five years, and I've never changed the battery remote. <laughs> exactly, the in the remote. Like, yeah, so, yeah. So that that will be the big question, as you said. Indeed, with this Bluetooth the fact one. that it's Bluetooth and pairing. Mm. Well, what's the battery life like? Mm. Is it another thing where you have to put the remote on a special little dock to charge it every night? Yeah, because that would be or every kind couple of weeks. And then, then when you actually come to want to use the remote, you go, "Oh crap! The remote's actually up <laughs> by the television on its little charger." Yeah, Murphy's Law. What's the point of a remote? Well, now, now, (laughs) point of a remote is it's meant to be somewhere lost in the couch cushions for you to do the little search to find it, (laughs) but without having to get up off the couch. That's the point of it. Yeah, well, let, let's see how, how it fares. But, Brett, now we have you know, the big three have now turned into the big four. The Roku 3, Chromecast, Apple TV, and now we have the uh, Amazon Fire Amazon TV. Amazon Fire, yeah. Hmm. They've brought in some pretty neat hardware for it. We've talked about, you know, its its limitation with what it will actually stream, and, and several of its competitors have that. But when what it will stream, it will stream very well because they've packed in some serious hardware into that tiny, tiny little box and it far outpaces any of its competition hardware. Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah, well, they've got a quad, quad processor. Something ugly for their for their you know <laughs> casual gaming concept. You, you see the the gaming con- controller. Oh, for- they've got a gaming yeah, <laughs> but the controller is so ugly. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. But Brett, going back to the hardware though, the sorry, the well, the, specifically the processor. It's a quad core, isn't it? In there. Yeah, yeah, they've packed a quad core in there. It's got its own separate GPU. Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> it's actually very will, very powerful. It will, what it, what media it will handle, it will handle very well. Yep. Absolutely. So I think and now if you're in the it is a very it they've gone absolutely minimalist. I completely agree with one of the comments that's been made about the the design of it and it's the design is to be low impact. It is a design where you can stick it anywhere behind whatever device you've got to connect, you know, behind your TV, underneath the cabinet, wherever you want it to be. It's designed to fit in a nook and be discreet. And that's kind of why they went for that whole Bluetooth pairing so that they can, you know, maximize that discreetness, have the device hidden away. Mm. So, yeah, though it is, it is very, it's very minimalist, but Elegant, I would say. It is. In its minimalism. It is indeed. Uh, it, it's still bigger than the Apple TV, but it is uh, very, very small nonetheless. So, Brett, closing comments on this. Would you say that uh, if you are in the market for, for a device like this, you should strongly consider the Amazon Fire, uh, Fire TV as well as some of the others? I would, if you were in the market for an internet TV streaming device then it is definitely one of the four options that you can consider brilliant all right brett that's that's good (laughs) (laughs) completely committed there i am to my my endorsement (laughs) of whichever product you choose and (laughs) i highly recommend you examine all of your options. Actually. Sure, but Brett, obviously you're not saying, you know, don't even bother. You're not you're not saying that. So no, it, no, in all, not saying that, you're saying something. Have pros and cons. Hmm. And you just have to decide which of the pros uh outweigh the cons that you will live with. Well put. All right, let's leave that there. Let's talk about some other hardware. Nest. Now Google has uh was it Google? 
Yeah, Google yep. has Google uh, purchased. Sorry. Google bought Nest, yes. Yeah, Google, that's right. Yeah, a while ago, and a little while ago, and uh, and of course, one of the devices is the Nest Protect. It's a smoke alarm. Uh, we all we're all familiar with those here in New Zealand. We've just switched uh, off daylight savings, so of course, that's the time. Yeah, that's right. Time to, that's the time they get you to test your alarm and change smoke alarm and get, change the batteries if needed. So the Nest Protect has just been pulled from shelves after a potentially dangerous glitch. And that is that the alarm could deactivate unintentionally through a unique combination of circumstances. Whatever <laughs> well, those what are. Do you, what do you expect when you add in a gesture recognition system to it that allows you to wave at it to turn it off? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> and the thing is, you know, yawning it, it, to go to sleep in the evening. Suddenly, you've turned off your smoke alarm while you go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. What is the unique combination of circumstances? Who, who knows? No, they're not saying. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. The thing is, you can see why this is not a good thing. A smoke alarm should always stay on unless you specifically instructed in a very precise way. Exactly. To, Which to, is why to any sort of gesture recognition or anything like that was a silly idea. Mm. A, one, you know, I can imagine it around the boardroom when the person who came up with it came in and said, I've got this great idea. We're, you know, we're making all of these things. They're all brilliant user interfaces, so easy to interact with and all these sorts of things. Let's make it. So, you know, you've got to turn your smoke alarm off every now and then. You know, you've got some dust going on or some stuff moving around, so you've got to turn it off. How about we have it turned off so you can just wave at it and it will turn it off? Yeah, no, that the, the smoke alarms, you know, as you said, they're an important thing and they should always be on unless you physically interact with it and tell it, hey, I would like you to be off for a moment. Right, <laughs> Having a long distance turn offable device or a device that could be like, I'm sure there's probably another system where you could turn the smoke alarm off via your iPhone or via the internet. And again, it's another thing where you might think that's a brilliant idea to be able to control this device over the internet. But it's a device that is specifically designed to protect and save lives. And that can only happen when it's on. And it should always be on. And there should be no way that you can turn it off over the internet. Yeah, or it's just too dangerous. Isn't it? It's too risky. App. Exactly. Mm. It's like your, your child is playing with your iPhone, chap, you know, playing Flappy Bird or whatever is the latest thing on your iPhone, switches to your control panel for your Nest devices and turns off the smoke alarms. Uh, oh, well, this is an example. I have no idea whether or not the Nest smoke alarm can be controlled via those things, but it would surprise me if it didn't because that's whole part of the whole Nest procedure isn't it the whole mm. nest thing is the I fact have, that I'm they're to the all connected <laughs> and they can all be controlled via these different things but there are certain types of device such as these protective devices like smoke alarms which should be independent from these other things because they should have no way where you could accidentally turn it off that's right totally they agree. should be yeah so, so anyway it's been recalled <laughs> these are things the... that should be disconnected uh, from that yeah unit. <laughs> anyway, it's been recalled from shelves. They're offering refunds for existing purchases. The good news, which they also, is really good, which the, is really good. They, yep. And know. and the other good news they say is that there's been no incidents, no no known incidents, where it's been turned off in the event of a, a fire. Yep. Uh, but proactive here. It, this is they've discovered this potentially fatal glitch, and they're actually doing something about it proactively before it's come to light that somebody's died in a house fire that was caused by the fact that they weren't mm, working. That's and, right. That's smoke right. alarm, and so this is a proactive. So this is you know this is Nest 
keeping a lot of lot of um, goodwill, a lot of good faith. They've discovered this thing, they've bred it, and they've, you know, putting refunds out and all that sort of stuff. So it's a company doing good. And that's great to see. Yeah, that's true. Yep, absolutely. Good, good on that. So it is going to take them two to three months, though. They say two to three months before they'll come back with, with a fix. Indeed. I still think whoever came up and allowed the implementation of waving to turn it off or waving to put it in silent mode should be whacked upside the head. <laughs> yeah, it's not exactly the... Uh, the box, but it's a kind of device which really shouldn't have outside-the-box mm. thinking in that regards. <laughs> agreed, agreed. All right, Brett, last story then. Let's talk about cables. <laughs> let's talk about USB specifically. Now, you you know those USB cables, right? You know, the USB-A, you know, the, the main one. You plug it in, it doesn't fit. You flip it over, you plug it in, it doesn't fit. You flip it over again, and then it fits. You've seen the cartoon, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so true, though, isn't it? Isn't it so annoying? USB is one of those, and I don't know what it is about it, but it, it never fits. Whichever way you put it in the first time, it never fits, even though whether it's the right way <laughs> it's up or not. It's about orientation. It's about orientation, Ed. You can tell which side you're holding the USB on because one side has an actual metal seam in the middle oh, of yeah, it. Oh, yeah, you can see, but if it's behind something. And you know which orientation your device is. And the flat side will always be up. Yeah, but that's if you can see it. If it's behind something, behind a device, and you're doing it by feel. And secondly, Brett, I'll, 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 I'll contest what. No, I'll actually contest what you said. <laughs> Just seeing it doesn't actually mean it's going to fit. Trust me, this is USB. It's cursed. <laughs> it really is. It's in. It's a, that interface is cursed. Yeah, so anyway, the yeah. the reason it's, a, it's an issue that I don't. I don't have really. Yeah. Really, Brett. Really. Yeah. Every now and then I might if I've picked up a, you know, taken a random USB key out of my pocket and flipped it open and put it in, I might go to put it in and then realize, wait a minute, I'm holding upside down and then put it in the right way. But if I've actually oriented it, it's easy peasy. Well, look, for the I people... Am also the, 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 I am also the person who can put keys into a slanted lock and still extract them perfectly fine because I know that you need to tilt it slightly. Hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, look, Brett. For the people who struggle, <laughs> for the people who struggle with USB A, good yep. news. There I is going to be a new interface, and it's, it's going to be reversible. I know, isn't it brilliant? This is the, this is the kind of thing that we need intelligent, well-paid minds thinking of ways to solve. These are the problems the world really has that require brain power to come up with a new way to do it because they cause so, so many fatalities every year caused <laughs> by people being unable to put an A USB. But into Fred, come on. Just try. It is such a monumental occasion. Come on, Brett. Look, sarca so sarcasm bad. aside, sarcasm <laughs> aside, you've got to admit that usability and simplicity and removing frustrations is very, it, it is important and part of design. It's all about design and engineering something well. And look, I agree with you. It's a first world problem. Let's get that out there right now. Okay, It is a first world problem. I agree. First world problem. <laughs> but... This, that doesn't this mean innovation here is going to solve solve so many problems in the poor countries of the world. Yeah, but Brett, just because it's a first world problem doesn't mean that we can't perfect the device, perfect the interface, and and this is what well, they're doing. I'm all for perfecting the interface. I'm all for perfecting the USB standard, bumping up its speed, bumping up the data integrity, bumping up the distance 
that you can have the different things go. I'm all for that, but you know, I, I'm sorry, I can't flag wave and stand on to, you know, raise a glass of champagne to the fact that somebody has come up with a plug that you can plug in whichever direction it is because well and it's smaller as well it's not the only thing it's smaller supports higher speeds we're talking about usb 3.1 here right but it's not it's still going to present issues edwin because i'm sure if you hold that on its side it will not plug in yeah. Okay. Look, granted, but you can easily <laughs> rotate that Wait, so it goes. It click. Absolutely, a hundred percent foolproof. That should have been a circle. And even then, you might not be square on the circle. You might not be exactly. <laughs> you need one of those magnet apples magnet thing. <laughs> yeah, but that doesn't work a hundred percent of the time either. Sometimes when it snaps, it snaps partially on and partially off, and then you have to pull the whole thing off again and re-snap. <laughs> Look, anyway, I, I say good on them. I think this is great. I'm looking forward to it. But it's still only half as fast as Thunderbolt. Really? It's Thunderbolt 20 gigabits 20 sec. gigasec, yeah. That's Intel's yeah. technology. Yeah. Um, mm. So USB Why does is, nobody but Apple use it then? Uh, Apple's a big user of it, but I think there's a few other minor users, but you're right, it's mostly Apple, but it's not Apple's technology. That's probably why. But it's, well, no, well, it's not, it's not Apple. <laughs> yeah, because the others are going, nah, if Apple's using it, we're not using it. <laughs> Apple's using it, we can't use it. <laughs> Let's come up with something else that's standard. <laughs> and across. Well, I guess that's another reason as well. USB is cross-developers, cross, well, cross-manufacturers, standard. But Brett, you know, I don't know. I think others may t- well take it up because you you think about uh, look, Firewire is a great example. For us, at the beginning, it was only Apple that was using it, mm-hmm. and then of course, when they realised that you know the only the best way to transfer, the fastest way to transfer, uh, you know, uh, DV content is is over Firewire, not over USB. And suddenly, all these video cameras had DV had had the uh, Firewire. Interface. Yeah, yeah. So the th- the, but you, you may see the same has has you know gone out of vogue. It has a little bit. Yeah, uh, I don't know. It's not. It's not. <laughs> it's not the interface you see most often in media connected devices. Well, often though, you'll find that it certainly is in the uh, in the higher end ones. But in in your run of the mill ones, agreed, the, the, they tend not to be. Yeah. But you look at your higher end cameras, your high, higher end NASs and so on. They'll tend to have f- uh, FireWire as well, and some of them exclusively. For the higher end NASs, wouldn't they? A lot of those be eSATA. Yeah, maybe some of the high. You're right. I, I guess there, there's an eSATA as well if you if you go higher still. But uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is certainly US, USB only tends to be the sort of lower to middle tranche. Anyway, that is it, Brett. That is episode 269. I want to thank you very much for for joining me on the show. Always a pleasure to disagree and agree with you, Ed. (laughs) As always, good stuff. Thanks a lot. See you again next week. Till then, take care. Goodbye. Bye-bye.